Longhorn Nation, Sooner fans, welcome to episode 63 of the Boomer Bevo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. This is our second preview of the night that we're taping. You might listen to it in a different order. That's okay. Uh, But we are going to do, this is the Texas football 2023 season preview episode. Uh, If you want, if you're looking for the Oklahoma preview episode, scroll down on your app, whatever you're listening to. Uh, Kevin, are you excited about this episode? Yeah, man. I'm excited for the season. We had a great conversation about OU and what we expect from them this season. I'm excited to do the same about my Longhorns. Before we go too far, though, uh, we need to talk live football happening this weekend. The University of Notre Dame goes up against Navy in Dublin. Notre Dame is a 21-point favorite. The over-under is 49.5. These games count. These are real. Who do you have in this game, Kevin? Well, man, it's, it's got to be Notre Dame, right? Navy, they got a new coach. I don't know. Does it ha- wait, wait, wait. Why does, it have to, why does it have to be Notre Dame? It Navy doesn't have Navy. to be. It doesn't have to be Notre Dame. Man, I would be stunned if Navy were to pull this off. Now, the interesting thing about Navy, right, I don't know what kind of offense they're going to be running. I don't know who their coach is. The coach they had for 20 years or so is gone. I don't want to butcher the guy's name, so I'm not even going to try it. He's gone. So we got a new coach, new coaching staff. I don't know what to expect from them. And I think Notre Dame is just too talented. Um, Brian Newberry. He's got a great beard. Fantastic beard. Like top 10 beards I've seen. Really? He, pl- he played for Baylor. Um, it doesn't show where he's from. Let's see. He was a dude. He was a, well. He was the Navy defensive coordinator. Okay. So that's his uh, his pedigree is not great. Um, compared to other coaches, you're probably right. Do you think they'll still run the option though, even though they're changed head coaches? I do. I, I do, man. I, I think with the service academy. You, I think you need to run those quick kind of diving lineman system because you can't hold up. You don't have the size to hold up against um, Division One pass rushers. Yeah, I um, I think I take Notre Dame in the points too. Uh, honestly, though, not because I think Notre Dame's that good, more because I just I don't think Navy's going to be. I don't think they'll be ready to roll. I, I don't feel for whatever reason, new coach. I, I don't feel it looks like the yeah. guy cares more about his beard than he does his team. I don't know. <laughs> Look, I like Marcus Freeman. I think he's going to be a great coach. I'm just concerned about what type of offense they're going to run. I thought their offense wasn't great last year with Tommy Reese as a coordinator. He's now the offensive coordinator at Alabama for Nick Saban. So seems like a seems know. like a seems like a weird fit, but yeah, I thought I thought the same thing. I, I, I don't know what Saban has up his sleeves here, but I didn't like their offense last year. I'm curious to see how it looks this year. They got. Sam Hartman, the transfer quarterback from Wake Forest last year. I thought he did a really good job for them. He's there at Notre Dame, so I imagine he'll be the starter. 
So I, I just really want to see what that offense looks like because they've got talent all, all over the field. Uh, the There's a couple of other games, but the other only other, in my mind, game of note, San Jose State playing Southern Cal. Uh, USC is a 30-and-a-half-point favorite over under 67. I I don't know who we're going to – we're not picking anybody in this game, whatever. that's You wouldn't pick a 30-point spread, but – my my other question is how many touchdowns does Caleb Williams throw in his first game as reigning Heisman champion? Um, I, I think he throws three before he gets out of there. You think three in the first half and he's done? Yeah, uh-huh. he'll probably have a rushing touchdown too. My thing, I, I we know what we're going to get from that offense, right? Yeah, we know. they're going to be explosive. They're going to run the ball well. I'm only concerned about their defense. Are they going to be? Competent? Are they going to be able to no. cover? Are they going to be able no. to tackle? No. To stop the run? No. That's what I want to see because that's really the difference between them being a, a good team. I thought they were really good last year and being you, a playoff team. You will not see it. So, and yeah. the conference is tough. We talked about this last week. The Pac-12 is not. People just kind of have a perception of the Pac-12 being weak. Well, that is a not, really deep conference this year. Not in Lanning's sec. Dan Lanning's second year, Oregon. Not with the returning quarterback that's at Washington, not with Correct. a returning quarterback at Utah who beat down USC twice. So no, I don't think it's a walkover. Um, USC's also got Notre Dame on the schedule, so I, USC. I mean, they, they'll do well. Caleb Williams. We we got into it all about Caleb Williams last week. Whatever. I don't want that to put put aside the fact that the dude's a fantastic awesome. football player. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one more, just one more real quick note. I, when I was looking up uh, betting odds and stuff, I, I, I just scrolled through the team totals real quick. Um, remember I asked you today, when they look at team totals, we're, we're only talking regular season, okay? So no bowl game, no um, conference championship game, okay? Do you know what Georgia's win total is right now on DraftKings? No, I don't. 11 and a half. Wow. So if you're taking the win, you're saying they have to go undefeated. Correct. Okay. If they go undefeated, it takes them like a 30-plus game winning streak, okay? The last one was USC in like in 04-05. At first, however, I thought, well, this seems ludicrous that they would have to – that they would be at 11 and a half points. But then I remembered – they were supposed to have Oklahoma on their schedule. So their schedule is terrible. Listen to this. Tennessee Martin, Ball State, and Georgia Tech, and UAB. Tennessee Martin, Ball State, UAB, and Georgia Tech. That's their yeah, conference. But George, and don't give them credit for Georgia Tech, right? That's a rivalry game. That's, they're going to play them every year. Dude, don't give them so, credit. Georgia Tech's terrible. Unless no, I know, but I mean, for, for scheduling at least a Power 5 team. But I, we're, giving, credit for that. we're giving them the credit that they were supposed to have Oklahoma on their own, right? Yes, but I, I, listen, you guys scheduled SMU, though, as a replacement. That's They're at least decent. I think they're more respectable than Ball State. Uh, they play South Carolina in Week 3. Auburn unranked, Kentucky unranked, Vanderbilt unranked, Florida unranked, Missouri unranked, 22 Mississippi, 12 Tennessee. That's it. The only two ranked teams on their schedule is Tennessee and Mississippi. 
I mean, I think South Carolina will make it a little challenging for them, right? <laughs> but do you take the over? So many good do you take huh? Kevin? Do you take the over? You have a you have a you have a ten dollar bet. You you go what under or over ten dollars? Do I'm take taking the under, man. It's just so hard to go undefeated, no matter who you are, as good as <laughs> oh. they are. Is just Dude, because of that. You heard that schedule, though, man. That's a bad yeah, schedule. It is a bad schedule. I'm curious to see what we see out of Carson Beck. They seem to love him down there. They think he's really talented. You've heard what I've said about Stetson Bennett over the years. I- I've continuously been wrong about him because the dude is just tough as nails, right? And he's not afraid of anything. And he became a big-time playmaker for them. They actually yes. won games because of him, not in spite of him. So it, that'll be a lot to replace even though Carson Beck is this superiorly talented player. Uh, we, need to, we need to talk about Texas, but I want to make one point. When people talk about a tough SEC schedule, this is not that schedule. We can agree with that, though, right? This is a weak oh, schedule. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, everybody has talent in the SEC, right? Even Vanderbilt has some players. Kentucky has some players. But, no, I mean, they don't have to play Alabama. They don't have to play LSU. You know what I mean? So they don't have to play Texas A&M. No, so they, they don't play avoid it. the teams that have the best talent in their league. Uh, before we jump into Texas, uh, I didn't do this in the last of our, our Oklahoma preview, so I better pay some bills real quick. Uh, Brown O'Haver sponsors the Boomer Bebo podcast. We are public insurance adjusters, work for the insured, not the insurance company. So if you've had a loss to your home, business, whether it's from fire, wind, theft, tornado, hail, flood, give Brad O'Haver a call. They work for you, not the insurance company. They make more money and they get it more quickly. So if you want to make more money on your insurance claim and you want to get it done faster, you want to call Brad O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Kevin, you've been waiting all summer for this. The Texas Longhorn Season preview, the floor is yours. All right, John, I'm really excited about this season, okay? Back when Sark got hired, it always seemed like if something was going to happen, that this would be the year that it could happen. The roster sets up. A lot of returning players on both sides of the ball. Got the experience. There's no excuses. You got to make something happen this year. And I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. When you say something's got to happen, um, you, you're saying something big? You got to win the conference. Got to win the that's conference. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That's yeah. fine. Okay. All right. Keep going. I'm excited about Quinn Ewers, right? You and I have gone back and forth. I've gone back and forth with a lot of people here, OU fans, and I understand everything you guys have asked about Quinn Ewers has been more than fair, right? We talk about talent. I talk about talent a lot. Yes, you know, that's what gets you in the building. I just think the kid's going to improve, right? Players get better from their first year to their second year. Last year was his first year. Age-wise, he was a true freshman last year, right? He showed moments of brilliance, and he showed moments to where he looked like he had no idea what he was doing. He made some questionable decisions. I'm putting my trust in Steve Sarkeesian as an offensive coordinator and as a quarterback's coach and as a developer of quarterbacks 
seen this throughout his career, be able to take quarterbacks and make them great. And I'm betting on him doing that with Quinn Ewers this year. Okay. So if you're betting on him to do that, um, when I look at when I look at Quinn and I see 15 touchdowns and six interceptions, 2,100 yards. Okay. That's I'm not make I'm not making a judgment. I'm just reading what that said. What is that jump to you? What do the numbers, what do the numbers have to look like? 15 touchdowns, six interceptions, 2,100 yards. What do the numbers have to look like to you for you to say at the end of the season, dude had the jump he needed to have? I think 3,500 yards. I would say at least 25 to 30 touchdowns. And, and the keep, thing about it is keep the interceptions the same. Yeah, yeah, minimal interceptions. Correct. The thing about him, right? I don't know if he has to be 2008 Colt McCoy, right? For him to have a great season. They have so many weapons around him. The running backs, now look, they lose Bijan, generational type of running back. Roshan, great running back, great leader. But they've got guys there that are good, that are talented, that I think can get the job done. But the biggest thing are the receivers. Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, A.D. Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia, Isaiah Nair, who will be their fourth receiver, right, who was looking like he was going to be their number one going into last season before he uh, injured his knee in, in, in fall camp. And then Jatavian Sanders, who I feel like is the second best tight end in the country behind Georgia's Brock Bowers. The offensive line is there. Five returning starters. They're deep this year in ways they haven't been in at least a decade. So when you look at what he has around him, I think he almost has to improve. In addition to what we talked about, the natural improvement that comes being a second-year starter compared to being a first. Between that and the starters, all the talent around him, I just see it being a big year for him and this Texas offense. Um. In the Oklahoma preview, I talk about the the running back where I'm like, this this is the core of the if this if this group reaches their potential, it could mean really big things for Oklahoma. I, I think that's the, the case with your receivers. Okay. If if they can reach the potential that each one of those, let's just deal with the first the the, the three starters, Worthy, Whittington, and Mitchell. If just those three reach their potential. It means Quinn Ewers and thus Texas had a hell of a year, right? Because those guys Agreed. are those guys could potentially all be number ones on any other team. Whittington could be a number one receiver on any. Yeah, Whittington could be the number one receiver on Oklahoma's team. Yeah, I think I think honestly, I think he would be. Yeah, no, I don't think that. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not offended by that. No, I think it's. I mean, and he's your number two, right? I mean, he, yeah, he, he's he's, a, he's our slot receiver. Yeah, but he's, he's a really, yeah, he, yeah, he's really good. But he'll just he'll he plays exclusively in the slot. And yeah. so you'll put Mitchell on the outside and Xavier Worthy on the other and outside. Worthy on the outside, yeah. And of I course, mean, we'll move him around too. And, and so I I think that like if that group performs to their level of expectation of talent, then my God, they're going to be really really good and scary. However, the concern I've got is like 
flip-flopped with Oklahoma where, where we're concerned about our receivers. I'm, I'm still concerned about the running back position. Um, so walk me through those guys one more time. And sure. Why, and who do you think is going to start bulk of carries and, and, and all of that? Okay, so Jonathan Brooks will be the starter against Rice. It's his third year on campus from a small town in Texas called Hattiesville. Yeah, he was buried behind Bijan and Roshan. When you have guys like that, other guys just aren't going to get carries, right? When he did play, he was effective. I, remember, I think he had a 70 or 80-yard run against Kansas in, in the game up there. He had a big, long touchdown in the bowl game when Bijan and Roshan were both out. So when he has played, he's shown the ability to take it to the house and to make big plays. He's just never been the guy. Behind him, they've got a true freshman by the name of Cedric Baxter or CJ Baxter, whatever you want to call him. He's out of Florida. He's a big running back, 6'1", around 220 pounds, kind of like built like Najee Harris was at Alabama. Yeah. I'm not, say, I'm not saying he's Najee Harris, but, yeah, you know, kind of yeah, that body bigger, type. Body type. Bigger, correct. Yeah. He's a tough inside runner, but he also has speed. From what I hear, he can also catch the ball. He's making a push up the depth chart right now. But those two guys will be the main two who I think will get the most of the carries. They also have Keelan Robinson. He was there last year. He's a transfer from Alabama. He's a smaller guy. They use him on, you know, jet sweeps, swing passes. He's also a big special teams guy. He'll get some carries, too. Where they'll have some design plays for him out of the backfield, screens and, and things like that. Also have Jaden Blue, who's a redshirt freshman out of Houston. He's shown he's explosive, but... We'll see with him. But really, you're going to see Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter get the bulk of the carries for Texas this year. Okay. So we mentioned your boys from last year. Uh, and you know, I was high on – I was high even as an OU fan. I think I was appropriately high on Bijan all year in the sense that he was probably the best running back in the country. Like, Absolutely. I, I was very high on him. And I was really high on Roshan. I thought he did a fantastic job um, in that secondary role. I mean, dude, he's still getting he's 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 going to make an NFL roster. Um, So, with that being said, you had high, high, high talent level, and Sark didn't trust to use them. He didn't want to use them. He didn't feel he had to use them. And that was with Bijan and Roshan. Do we think that this is going to put even more pressure on Quinn Ewers having untested running backs standing next to him in the backfield? Maybe so. Maybe so. I think he'll have more on him than than he did last year. But I feel like he'll be more, he'll be better equipped to handle it last year. The thing about Sark, right? I want to talk about him for a little bit. What I like about him. I love how he develops quarterbacks, right? We've seen that since he was at USC, right? Through Washington with, uh, um, who's a kid? Jake Locker. And then when he was a head coach at USC with Cody Kessler and then on to Alabama with those guys, Mac Jones and, and Tua. I love his ability to come up with a game plan, right? Especially his opening script. Like He usually doesn't miss on those except for the TCU game last year. When nothing went right for them offensively. I love that about him, and I love the way he recruits, okay? The issue I have with him, though, is sometimes when his initial game plan doesn't work, 
he has struggled with making adjustments to it. Okay. I think they had a plan with Oklahoma State last year. We we'll use that as an example, right? If they could run the ball, because they can always run the ball with Bijan, but he thought, for whatever reason, that they were going to have success with a deep ball. On, and despite on, not, on one of the windiest days in Oklahoma. I agree. Now, I don't know if the, he wasn't prepared for the wind being like it was, but the thing that drove Texas fans crazy and that everybody else was just confused about is why he kept doing it. Yeah. And that's what he struggled with so far during his tenure at Texas. If it's not working, he seems to struggle with going away from the initial, whatever the initial game plan was. He sure. doesn't have a way to, to counteract that. I'm hoping as a coach, he's developed some ways to get away from that, to come up with ways to adjust his game plan. So that that's really my biggest issue with him. Second one with him is finishing off opponents, right? If you look at most of his losses since he's been the head coach at Texas, they've had the lead in almost all of them. Some of them large leagues. We all remember the 21 Red River shootout game, right? Up was it 28-7 against the Sooners? You lose that game. Next week they're up against Baylor. Lose that game. Oklahoma State and Austin. Up by two touchdowns late in the second quarter. Lose that game. Saw it last year. They are up against Alabama, right? Lose that game. So what I want to see from him is can he come up with a way to just, you know, put your foot on their throat and finish these teams off? I think that's going to okay. make a big key for Texas season this year. But if he, okay, it, but if he couldn't do it with Bijan and Roshan, right? That step on the foot mentality, that put it down in the throat, that grind the game out. If he couldn't can't do it with Bijan and Roshan, you're thinking he's going to do it with Quinn. I mean, I'm just well, saying, like that's yeah. And and here's the thing too with with a lot of with that, the offensive line last year, okay. Had some freshmen on it, true freshmen. They had some young guys, and they struggled. If you really look at it, the offensive line was, despite having a 1,500-yard rusher in Bijan, I think a seven or 800-yard rusher in Roshan, they actually weren't great at run blocking. So much of that, I think 68% of Bijan's uh, rushing yards came after contact. So this guy's getting hit in the backfield. He's just so dynamic. Yeah. He's able to break tackles and just make things happen. Roshan is just so physical. Again, he can break tackles and make things happen. I think with the improvement on the offensive line, that's what I'm looking at more than the fact that we lose those two really good running backs. Sarkin also brought in – he's kind of learning from Saban. You remember what Saban used to do and still does? Uh, If a coach would get fired somewhere, he'd bring him in as an analyst. Absolutely. Yeah, they called it the Saban car wash or the Alabama car wash. Yeah, correct. I mean, that's how Sark got started. Right. After his um, deal at USC, Sark, you know, Saban brought him in as an analyst. And Sark has said that that literally saved his career. Sure. You yeah. Know? So he's brought in some guys. Gary Patterson was there last year. Not sure if he'll be back this year. As of right now, he's not back. But there's some rumors that he may be back. I haven't heard anything concrete yet on that. But he brought in um, Paul Chris, who was the off, uh, head coach at Wisconsin. Yep, for a long time. He's there as an analyst, and um, there was somebody else, and my mind just completely went blank on. Oh, Jody Camillus, the uh, longtime special teams coach. 
So I think they're helping him kind of with game management and things like that. So I'm hoping, you know, he can just take knowledge from other guys who have been head coaches and improve. This is a big year for Sark. Um, he, he has not really had a season where he's overachieved in any of his coaching stops. It seems like all of his seasons could be labeled as underachieved. Now, at some point, yes always, no. when is he overachieved? Well, here's why. Remember when he took over Washington, right? He took over a team that was 0-11. Yeah, they were bad. The year before it, right? He got them to be a nine-win team, I think, within three seasons, right? He left there, but became the head coach at USC, right? They were okay there, but he was dealing with the off-the-field. Off Again, I said, okay, I never said they were great. Yeah. You know, I I just, I would put it in the underachieved category. I can see that, especially for the expectation. Now, again, he walked into a bad situation too, because remember they had scholarship restrictions based off the the stuff that happened with Reggie Bush, that lack of institutional control when they got completely hosed by the NCAA. Hashtag give Reggie his trophy back. Give him the trophy back. Yeah. What are we we talking about? Right. We know what we saw that year. Anyway. So that's one thing with him, but you're right. He has not had a he's never had a great season as a head coach. He hasn't had a 10 win season at all. So your questions are all fair. Yeah, and so I think this you know, you look at your you look at your schedule, you look at all those things that you talked about on the offensive side of the ball. We'll still talk about the defense, but on the offensive side of the ball, for Sark in particular, it's like this is it, man. Like Exactly. It's, yeah, it's got to be now or never, you know, because it's not going to be this easy in the SEC. No, it's going to be battle not. after battle after battle, and, and both schools are going to have to. Oklahoma and Texas are going to have to adjust and absorb and 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 grow and all of that. But for for Steve Sarkeesian, this is your year: returning quarterback, returning offensive line, three stud wide receivers, pretty good talent at running back, like. This is yeah. the year. The co- he's Will, on the coaching staff, too. Think about that. We haven't lost any assistance yet. Right? If he, so if, it's, it's if all he, there. What is the what is the floor for wins for Sarkeesian for you in your mind? I would say nine. He's gotta win nine. Yeah. Has to win nine, or it's gonna be a it'll be a disappointment. Correct. Okay. Oh, defense. Give us some defense. All right, so the defense was – we talked about improvement, right? We talked about OU potentially being able to improve defensively, even though you're ranked in the 100s last year. Well, Texas, in Sark's first year, defensive coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski came from University of Washington. They were in the 100s also defensively. Well, from year one to year two, they go from being in the 100s to being in, uh, I believe, number 30. Yep. So from 100s, I think they were like 106 or something like that, to number 30. So it was a monumental jump last year, okay? Now, look, you lose some guys. DeMarvion Overshone, your favorite name. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> hey, man, first of all, shout out to DeMarvion Overshone. Drafted in the third round by the Dallas Cowboys, was making noise big time. They love him there. And the kid tore his ACL last Saturday. Oh. This is in game. Yeah, man. Despite the name, I felt bad for him because he was he was on he made the roster. 
He yeah, was on the sure. roster. Yeah, I mean, now, and I, a third round pick should be on the roster anyway, but he yeah. had made the roster. He was a playmaker. They're yeah. thinking to themselves, man, we're we're gonna capitalize finally on some athleticism in the in that strong safety position or wherever he was gonna play. And it just sucks. It sucks. Yeah. So shout out to him. Hopefully he's doing well. But you lose you lose him, right? He's a great player, but they've got a lot of guys coming back. And you know, one of my main reasons for excitement with this season is the lack, or excuse me, is the depth that they have on the defensive line, especially in the interior of the defensive line. It's been their weakness, kind of like the offensive line. That's been Texas' really big weakness over the last decade plus. What, what do they In run? the trenches. Do they run three down linemen? They do, yeah. Uh-huh. They use, they have an edge player. Really, um, they usually have three with an edge that who stands up and can drop back into coverage, do all that. But usually they have three guys who are down in a stance. And one guy so, was standing up. Okay, so they would have a defensive nose tackle and two tackles. Is that yeah, usually they have two tackles and then um, an end and then an edge. Is how they, oh, they classify okay. it. Yeah, got it. Uh huh. Yeah, so they got some depth there. They've got Byron Murphy coming back, who's a really good player. They've got Tavondre Sweat, who's a fifth year senior. Right, he's a three hundred and forty pound. Uh, defensive tackle. I remember he he gave Alabama's offensive line hell last year in the game in Austin. And then behind him, they've got Alfred Collins, who, you know, we've kind of been in a wait and see with him for the last four years. But from everything I'm hearing, and I don't know if I should believe it or not, but from everything we're hearing, he's been incredible so far during fall camp, and they expect him to have a good season. So I love the depth that they have on the defensive line. Moving back to linebacker, Jalen Ford, who I thought was – he was the best linebacker in the Big 12 last year. He's back. He could have gone to the NFL. He decided to come back. I think he's going to have another monster season like he did last year. A little bit of question, who's going to be playing next to him? We talked about this with OU with Danny Stetsman, who's going to be playing next to him. Same question with Texas. We've got um, the kid David Benda. He's been around. I think this is his third or fourth year in the program. Hasn't played much. Coaches seem to like him. We'll see if he can hold off Anthony Hill, true freshman, five-star, linebacker out of Denton Ryan High School. This kid is a stud. He's kind of like we talked about with um, P.J. Atabari last year, or um, for yeah. you, how he might not know the entire defense yet, but, you know, let him just let him cook on certain situations. I believe that's how they're going to use Anthony Hill is as a blitzer as a quarterback rusher, but from the linebacker spot, similar to how LSU used Harold Perkins last year, who was their true freshman, ended up having like, what, like nine or ten sacks for them last year. Yeah, first team all-conference. I think they're going to use him in the same way. So don't think he's going to start, but I expect to see him a lot this year. I, I don't think you necessarily have to get better defensively in order to be successful to meet that nine – win threshold that we talked about because I think third, you know, low thirties is, is, is just, is fine. But do you expect Texas to be better? Do you expect them to break into the top 25 defensively and, and, and really kind of set up, set a new, a new standard there at Texas? You know, I have a couple of concerns in the secondary, which we'll get to, 
I think they'll at least stay where they were. I think they actually, they might be better overall. I'm not sure if the numbers will show it, though, if that makes sense. I think they'll be a little bit more sound. Guys just know the, the system a little bit more, and I think they'll be much better up front defensively. I think it's going to come down to how they play in the secondary at the safety position. Again, we'll, we'll, we'll get, go into that in more detail here. Okay. But I'm expecting Let's, them to be at least where they were last year. And again, uh, like you said, I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think that – listen, I would kill. I would kill for Oklahoma to be in the top 30. Top 30, 30s. Oh, are you kidding me? Give me 32 all day long. I mean, can you imagine? Um, so we'll break down this – Defensive backfield. What's your concerns? Where are you worried about corners? You worried about safeties? What is it? You no, know, actually, I feel good about the corners. They got Ryan Watts. He's a big six foot three inch corner who was a transfer from Ohio State. Played last year. Played well last year. Okay, real quick. So let me just say this out loud because I think this needs to be said. You're talking about transfers from Bama, Georgia, and now Ohio State. Yes, that's legit. Yeah, like. You, the, it's one. That's a lot of talent uh, at those schools. So maybe they couldn't fit in. Maybe they didn't like the culture. Maybe that you know whatever the case may be. But to get transfers from Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State, that tells me that Texas is actively upgrading their entire roster. You know, they've done a pretty good job in the portal. I, I've been happy with that. Like Keely Robinson was there last year. He, he's a great – he's a good player. He's not going to be every down back, but he'll make an impact. Ryan Watts played a, a ton last year for Texas after transferring from Ohio State. I expect him to have a good season. On the other side, they got Terrence Brooks, who's an incredibly talented player. He's trying to hold off another true freshman named um, Manny Muhammad, also from the Dallas area, South Oak Cliff High School, state champion. This kid is really talented. This kind of reminds me of the type of corner that Texas would have back in the 2000s. You know, the Cedric Griffin, you know, Aaron Ross type. He, he's one of those level of talent at corner. So uh, looking forward to having him there. Um, is, the is, next, corner, is corner the kind of position you can roll out as a freshman? If you're just that dude, you know, certain yeah. guys can, you know. And again, I don't expect him to start, but I expect him to play a lot. Okay. Yeah, I expect him to play a lot. I mean, he's just a really talented player, and apparently he's really physical too. So I think that's what, you know, the concern with some time you get these guys who can cover and just, are they willing to, you know, kind of put their nose in there and, and, and get dirty. And, and apparently, from what I'm hearing, he is that type of player. So but really my concern is that safety, right? Um, that Jaron Thompson, who's back from last year, he's always been a good player. Uh, he's started I mean he started the Red River shootout as a true freshman way back in 2020. So he's a senior. The other safety, now I'm excited about him. Jalen Catalan, right? I don't know if you've heard the name before. The transfer from Arkansas. A couple years ago, he was all conference, all American type player. Ever since then though, he's been injured. He's had um he's had a really bad shoulder injury. Okay, so he missed a lot of time, really the last two years. Left Arkansas, entered the portal, came to Texas. The coaches love him. Everybody thinks he can be an all-conference player, but it's if he can stay healthy, which he has not been able to do. 
the last two years. Behind him, they've got Keaton Crawford, who's been there for a while. He's always been more of a dynamic special teams player. He's got talent. He's been up and down, though, as a safety so far in his career. Another true freshman to watch out for, a kid named Derek Williams out of Louisiana. High four-star safety who apparently has been making some noise at fall camp. I expect to see him on the field a lot, too, this year. Well, it's um, it's interesting when we talk about this. It, I, Again, and to, to understand the comparison I'm making, you need to make sure and listen to our Oklahoma preview. But it's just interesting to see how – how confident you, you are at defensive line and linebacker and not so much at safety. And then on the flip side, Oklahoma is so I am anyway, so high and confident on safety and, and really concerned about the defensive line. It's yeah. just, it, it it's so interesting to see how those schools can kind of bounce around and back and forth. I think that's what makes Oklahoma, Texas rivalry. So unique is, uh, is it's like when one team's got it, then the other team's got it, and it just kind of keeps flowing back and forth. So correct, yeah. So it's balancing the roster, right? It seems like one of the biggest challenges for for coaches. Um, what else? Uh, I have a couple of questions. We have not we have not discussed Arch Manning or Malik Murphy. And it's 37 minutes into the Texas preview. Well done, Kevin. Well done. I think I should get a pat on the back, too, for, for avoiding this, what you feel is a toxic subject to discuss your backup quarterback. But will either of these guys see the field in meaningful snaps? Will they have a package for Murphy? Will they have a package for Arch? Or is this completely and wholly the, the Quinn Ewer show? I think it's a Quinn Ewer show. I think the other two guys will play. I think we'll see them both against Rice, right? But as far as meaningful snaps, I don't know. I, I think they're just rolling with Ewers right now until until otherwise noted. Um, you've gone through all the position groups. You've put a lot on Quinn Ewers. Besides Quinn, of all those position groups you talked about, which one has to overachieve or excel for Texas to a, to meet their goal of a Big 12 championship? What's the, what? one, what's the one position group that you're like, John, if they do well, the team will do well? You know, it, to me, it's the offensive line. It's the offensive line with the run blocking. To me, that that's the biggest difference. I trust these guys to be able to, to protect the quarterback. They did a pretty good job of it last year. Um, Kelvin Banks, their left tackle, I think he's one of the best left tackles in the country. He started every game as a true freshman last year. He may allow, he allowed one, maybe two sacks the entire season. I mean, he blanked Will Anderson last year when we played against Alabama, you know, and a lot of times he's blocking them one-on-one. He was incredible. So, but again, we talked about this with the running game. They actually didn't run block well. So I need them to improve from a run blocking standpoint and that'll really help us close out these games. So the offensive line is really what I'm looking at from a run blocking standpoint. Okay. I'm ready to pick some uh, wins and losses here. Let's see where Texas ends up for the season. All right. Let's do it. Let's they do it. open They open with Rice, Rice University. Um, we're going to do our full preview next week. But some quick hitter facts. Their coach, do they have two head coaches? Am I reading this right? 
That would be really odd. That can't be right. Who are their coaches? It's Mike Bloomgren. Mike Bloomgren. Uh, wow, that that was weird. It's got two coaches listed on their Wikipedia. Let me see who David Bailiff is. He's the assistant coach. All right, that's cool. Um, I mean, you all should kill Rice, right? Yeah, I don't think – I don't know what the spread is. I, I haven't looked at it, but I don't think it's even going to be close. I expect to see a lot of backups playing. I expect to see Malik and Arch on the field in this game. Do the starters play a little longer than they would, given the fact that you have Bama the second week? You know, that that's a good question. I'm not sure what his plan is going to be, if he's going to want to rest them or if he's going to want them – playing as long as possible. I'm curious to see what he does with that. Well, it will be hot. The, the, it will the, be incredibly hot. It'll be incredibly hot. So that that's going to have some sort of, that's got to have some sort of impact on it. All right. We both got Rice's win. Let's get to the, let's get to the premier game on your schedule this year. You, by all intents and purposes, got hosed by the referees. You, I think you outplayed Alabama at DKR last year. Uh, you have to go to Tuscaloosa. They do not have a returning quarterback. They still have Nick Saban. They still are Alabama. What's going to go on in this game, win or lose? Okay, this is when pretty difficult for me to pick this game, right? Because when you say what you just said, right, no returning starter or quarterback, I think Texas actually batches up well against this team. Thing is, though, man, I cannot pick against Nick Saban at home. So I think Texas loses another very, very close, tight game to Alabama. I got a loss. I think I think Bama beats Texas. Um, a lot of Oklahoma fans, a lot of uh, sports talk hosts uh, think Alabama's going to roll Texas. I am not of that opinion. I think that Alabama didn't roll them last year when they probably should have based on, you know, what was coming in, Heisman Trophy winner, this and that. So I don't know what's materially changed except for now Oklahoma does – I mean, now Alabama doesn't have Bryce Young. Texas has another year with Quinn, albeit you don't have uh, B. John Robinson, which I still think is a huge loss. But outside of that, but outside of that, your receivers are – I think your receivers are better than Bama's receivers, aren't they? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would take ours over Alabama's. Your receivers are better than Bama's receivers. You've got uh, – you do have a returning quarterback. We can debate on how, how talented or, you know, solid he's going to be, but it doesn't matter. You still have a returning quarterback. Sark knows what he's going to have with him. I think this game is going to be really, really close. I can't – I don't know what the spread is right now. We'll talk more about it when it comes out. I think it's Alabama's favorite by seven if I had – if I Dude, I'm taking Texas. Correctly. I'm taking Texas in the points on that deal. You know, yeah, it, it's fascinating, right? Because Texas, they've been really inconsistent, period, right? But on the road, that's that's where I struggle with picking them to win this game, right? If they oh, were for I, whatever reason playing them again in Austin, I would probably pick Texas to win this game. But it's, it's right. going there, man. I don't know, man. I still got Alabama, so oh, uh, back to life against Wyoming win, yeah. Okay, now it starts to get a little hairy because now we're getting into conference play. We don't know what's going to have happened against Alabama. You and I both are thinking 
tough loss to Bama. Sees the whole season still in front of us. The Big 12 still in front of us. A college football playoff conceivably still in front of us. And you have to go to Waco week four at Baylor. Big 12 opener. Break it down. This is going to be a tough game, right? It's Big 12 play on the road. We talked about Texas struggles on the road. But, man, I don't know what to expect from Baylor. I don't – I know they have a good running back because he played well against you guys last year. He did okay against us too. They'll always have a good defensive game plan because Aranda usually does. They might yeah, have I a good game plan, but they fell back quite a bit in their defensive stats last year. They, I thought they so were, too. Yeah, they were not as dominant defensively as, as they were in Aranda's first years. Yeah, I think this game will be pretty close, but I, I'm going to pick Texas to win on the road in Waco. I got Texas winning. Hosting Kansas. <laughs> this is another tough game. We've seen what Jalen Daniels can do. He came to Austin and beat Texas in Sark's first year. I think that pretty much him announcing himself as a as a really good player that night, right? And they're gonna put up points, right? I think that I think they're gonna be able to put up points against Texas. But again, I just don't think they're good enough defensively. I think this is going to be a shootout. But I am going to go with Texas because it's at home and because of just the amount of weapons they have. All right. So that has uh Texas at 4 and 1 entering the second Saturday in October. Oklahoma Sooners, we already picked this game in the previous episode, but people might be listening to this in the opposite order. So I'm going to break this game down anyway again. Uh For me, I picked Oklahoma to lose, Texas to win, simply because I can't unsee the 49-0 shellacking that Oklahoma had to endure last year. However, I do think if we have a Dylan Gabriel back that this game, just with him behind center, automatically gets obviously tighter and puts Oklahoma in a better chance to at least be competitive in the game, I still think Texas wins this game. You know, and I do too, but again, I don't see this being anything like last season's game. I think Ren is going to have a team ready to play. I think Dylan Gabriel is going to be ready to play. It's going to be like the game has been really the last decade besides last year, if you think about this, right? Yeah. The games have been close since 2013. I mean, excuse me. Yeah, since 2014 on. Yeah. Up until yeah, no, last they've, year. Been, they've been one they've sport been games. Very- And it's been great because that's when I really started attending the OU Texas game consistently was 2013, 2014. And they've just been awesome. Every one of them has been great. Even, I mean, the losses while devastating have been amazing games. I mean, who's going to forget the Kyler Murray game. So if we can get back to at least a really, really, really good game to watch, then I'm going to feel better about it uh, from an Oklahoma standpoint. But I, I think that you're going to have, the psychological edge and the um, – I don't know if you have a talent edge or not, but I, I just I'm – not, I'm not comfortable I, with OU in that game right now. I think it's a slight talent edge this year, this year. Yeah. Yeah, you know you know, I couldn't say it out loud. I just couldn't bring yeah. myself no, to I, say I got you. Uh, you go to – Houston is going to be insane hosting Texas. That is going to be a fun atmosphere. It's, it's going to be crazy, right? 
Dana Hogerson knows how to coach against Texas, right? He beat us when he was at West Virginia. He's going to have a great game plan. And like I said, the stadium is going to be rocking. I just don't think they have the horses. They can't be Houston. For four quarters. They can't be Houston. Um, your nemesis, BYU, coming to Texas. They do not have Taysom Hill. Thank the good Lord for you. Uh, what does this game look like for Texas playing BYU uh, for the first and only time as a conference game? Well, we talked about BYU on the podcast before. You play Anytime you play against them, you're playing against grown men. So you know it's going to be a physical challenge for you, right? It's kind of like what we said about Houston, though. I just don't think they have the depth to beat Texas in a, you know, in a four-quarter game. So I think it'll be a challenge for sure, especially a physical one. But I, I see Texas winning against BYU. See, you're kind of getting BYU. Uh, you know, we get BYU the next to last week of the season, but you're getting them in like week seven or eight, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it's you're you're kind of starting to face kind of the attrition of a season. We get them the week actually the week before you guys. It's a tough break for them. Oh no, 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 no. you have them November twenty first, right? No, we have them on the 18th. Okay, well, yeah, we get them three weeks before you guys. Yeah, you get them three weeks. Yeah. But I just mean that, you know, they're going to get beat up a little bit. They'll, yeah. they'll already have three, four conference games. Like, they're going to get beat up a little bit. And that depth, I think, is really going to hurt BYU. Um, we, Oklahoma, does not have to play Kansas State this year. But you do. So this is the first time we're picking against the Kansas State Wildcats. What do you think? Okay, this is gonna, this is going to be a really really tough <laughs> game, man. Their offensive line, I think they bring back all five of their starters too. Will Howard has been really good when he's played, right? I think they had a bit of a I don't want to call it a controversy, but it's almost like a dilemma, right? With Adrian Martinez, and we know what he can do, especially running the football. Some at some moments, the offense just seemed to click a little bit better when. Uh, when Will Howard was in the game. So we'll see how he does as a starter. This is going to be a tough game. I'm curious to see who they who they have at running back this year after losing Deuce Vaughn. They also lose their stud ed, edge rusher, Felix. I'm not going to try to – I'm not going to butcher his name, but, you know, the one that drafted the first yeah. round by Kansas City. And they lose Julius Brent, who was a really, really good cornerback for them. I think he got drafted at the beginning of the second round. So, man, this one's going to be really, really tough, but I'm picking Texas to win this one. Wow. I, uh, You are going into this game, you're going to be 7-1, and one, um, assuming that you have the loss to Alabama. You're going to be 7-1. and one. I would think at 7-1, and one, if a, with a close loss to Bama, by this time in this season, you are firmly in the top 10. Yes. You're going to host Kansas State home game, rowdy crowd, and you're going to lose to Kansas State. Okay. That's my prediction. That's going to take you to 7-2. and two. I just think K-State's one of those bad matchups for you guys. Um, that You know, coming off of a Houston and a BYU that just aren't going to be as physical, you have to kind of have a wake-up call with K-State. And yeah. I, worry, I worry about that. Not being so much a trap game, just being Kansas State getting to catch you at the right time. Fair um, enough. I will no. say we did have gotten over the Kansas State hump that we had. I think we've beaten them six straight years now. 
Oh, well, good for you. It's always, I mean, again, this year is this year. Hey, listen, Kansas State is to to us, or at least to you guys, what Oklahoma State is to Texas. I know, and I'll just never, I I, I won't understand it. K-State's is, I'm picking them to lose because I, I just think, I think it's it's a weird spot in the schedule for that, for Texas against Kansas State. But at the same time, Kansas, you just listed off like, Ten guys. We didn't even mention Deuce Vaughn. They're gonna lose. They lost Deuce Vaughn. Lost all these guys. For some reason, man, they managed to reload and just methodically play play against you. Tighten the game. Tighten the you know tighten up the offense and the defense. Reduce the number of possessions, and they just play really good, solid football. So I'm, yeah, I mean, look, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Shot. I'm thankful we don't have to play K State. Uh, TCU at TCU a rematch from what looked like an SEC game last year with the uh, level of defense that was being played by both teams. That was a big-time football game last year. Uh, B. John Robinson did not get used enough. Clearly, it was a travesty what they did, what Sarkeesian did to you guys by not running B. John against TCU, but he didn't do it. Does he pick up revenge this year? You know, I'm really nervous about this game. Just because where, like you mentioned, where it is in the season, going up there, I don't know what they're going to be, but I know it's going to be a tough game, and I've actually got this as a loss for Texas. Um, I have it as a loss. I have TCU beating uh, beating you guys. It's at TCU. You're coming off of a loss. Um, for all the things that we just said, I I think Texas is more talented. TCU is losing a really good quarterback, a really good running back, a fantastic receiver, a couple of defensive players. So they're, they're not going to be the same. It's not going to surprise me if, if Texas wins this game. I, I, to me, this is a toss-up game. I'd like to see where the line comes out when we get closer as to who I would officially pick on the line. Uh, but I just think as we look at this schedule, it's a loss. Iowa State, we talk about this in the Oklahoma preview with their quarterback problems. Um, dudes betting on teams, you know, whatever the case may be. I just don't think Iowa State's going to be the same, even though this is at Iowa State. I think Texas has a hard time not winning this game. I agree. Like, Matt Campbell is a, is a really good coach. His team will be ready to play. The atmosphere is going to be pretty crazy up there. They seem to hate Texas as much as anybody does up there. So it'll be a really tough game. A tough environment. Last time playing there, November 18th, it's going to be cold. Might be some snow on the ground. You never know. But, again, I just think, especially, I don't know who's going to play quarterback for them, if Hunter Deckers will be playing or not. But, man, I just don't see it. And they lose. Will McDonald was a stud for them. Weirdo. Nice rusher. He's with Big weirdo. <laughs> he's with the Jets now. Watch, he's going to make an impact, though, for sure, on the field. As a, oh, I think, he's good. I think he's a great yeah. player, but he's a, yeah. <laughs> it's a huge weirdo. So, I, I got Texas winning that game. Uh, your boy, Texas Tech, your mark is going to be at the game, uh, rooting on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Tortillas will be flying. This will be the most hostile environment you're in all year. I think even including Alabama, probably. Like, it is going to be awful to go to Lubbock on on the Friday after Thanksgiving. I don't even want to think about it. It sounds terrible. It, what a disgusting place to play football. You have to go up against Texas Tech. 
I don't say that I ever root for Texas because I never root for Texas. But if there was a situation in which I might want Texas to maybe squeak out a one-point win, this would be that situation. Do you get it done? Do you shut Texas Tech up and beat them in Lubbock? Let me correct you. The game was actually in Austin. We played them in Lubbock last year. Oh, never mind. Uh huh. I just got off. I went on a whole rant about how much Lubbock sucks for no reason except for Lubbock. I'm not going to stop anybody from saying that Lubbock sucks because well, that's it does. Yeah. So your marks coming to the Texas game? Why are y'all even letting him come to the Texas Tech game? I mean, I, he's a Big 12 commissioner, so I think he can get into any Big 12 stadium he wants. Dude, not talking like that, bro. Jeez. Well, here's the thing. Him talking and then Joey McGuire has been talking too. All that is done is make sure that we will not take them lightly at all. We will not overlook them, and we will be ready to play Texas Tech this year, and we will beat Texas Tech this year. I like Joey McGuire as a head coach. I've said it several times on this podcast. I like his team. Texas is going to beat Texas Tech on the final Big 12 game for the Longhorns. They have Thanksgiving. It's a night game. We're going to beat them. I've got you beating Texas Tech. Um, That's true, dude. What is Joey McGuire doing? What is the value? Like – why do you want to poke that bear in the last season? Number one, number two, what he's saying is it's just false. It's, it's not true. Like Texas tech has not been a powerhouse in the big 12 conference. They had oh. a co- They had a handful of seasons under Mike Leach, but a very small, we all love Mike Leach, rest in peace, Correct. Love Mike Leach, but a very small handful of seasons. And outside of that Kingsbury seasons were terrible. He was a terrible coach for them. Joey McGuire, whatever, dude. You went like seven and five. Like, don't don't even. Yes, you beat Texas. Okay, whatever. It, it it's very weird that he's talking so much trash out in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah, I don't know what is. If I were him, he could have just kept his mouth shut, played this year, and then be in a position to be one of the best teams in the conference next year. But now he's putting a target on his team's back. So I can't wait for that game. Yeah, we don't, have to play, we don't have to play Texas Tech, and I don't think we will play Texas Tech because I don't think that they're going to be winning, getting to any conference championship. Okay, real quick, that gets us to 9-3. and three. Uh, Well, my picks have Texas at 9-3. and three. Your picks has them at 10-2. and 10-2 and two with a, one of those losses being to Alabama, you're saying absolutely going to the Big 12. Are they winning the Big 12 championship up against who? Up against the Oklahoma Sooners. Oh man, wouldn't you? That see, look, that is poetic justice if it happens, right? Is let's have it a is. great game in October and let's just run it back again in December and yeah, tell the Big Twelve happens. and tell the Big Twelve to suck it. Like just suck you, it. Like, I don't, can you imagine your mark having to hand the trophy to either Brent Venables or Steve Sarkeesian? The look oh, yeah. on his face. Oh it man, would, it would be so yeah. worth it. It would be so worth it. Oh my gosh, Kevin. This was a, you did a great job, man. You did a great job getting us prepped for Texas, uh, the season opener. Dude, listen, we are like, by the time people are listening to this on Friday, we are going to be eight days away from these two teams opening it up, uh, the 2023 season. I'm very, very excited about this season. I, I think Texas is going to be a really good team. A lot of Oklahoma fans are down. I'm not, I'm down on the playoff hype. 
but I am not down on them being a very solid team and playing in the Big 12 championship. Yeah, you you're not you didn't hear that word come out of my mouth at all. Playoffs. I'm win the conference, man. Just win the conference, please. Win the conference. And I listen. I was on the fence with nine and three because it's hard for me, despite the way the roster sets up, despite everything being set up for them to be successful this year. It's hard for me to give them the benefit of the doubt. It just it just is. Um, or PTSD. Yeah, but it's just I don't know the way your schedule set up. It's funny though. Bama's the one. I, I I've got you with three losses. Bama might be the one that would be closest to me flipping, like into a win. I, I think that's crazy to say it. I might get lambasted if people actually listen to this podcast and hear me say that. But of the three losses I've picked, if somebody said you had to turn one of those losses into a win because that Texas will absolutely finish ten and two, it very well could be Alabama that I flip. Man, I'm Was so that- fascinated to see how they handle that. The environment there, being on the road, adversity that will happen. I mean, we're talking about Alabama here, right? I mean, you guys went up to Ohio State with Baker Mayfield, took care of business up there. You guys were able to manage that environment with Baker Mayfield and all that other talent you guys had on that team. So I'm just, I'm really fascinated to see how they handle that. All right, man. Great job tonight. And for everybody out there listening, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you're looking forward to a great season as well. Like, subscribe, share with others, wherever you get your podcasts. Kevin, have a great night. Boomer. Hook him.